So the original owners, Jan and Jerry Fukunaga, Jerry was a local Japanese-American here in Hawaii. His wife, Jan, was from California. Jerry used to work at the original Pancake House down in Dillingham, and Jan was also... You're listening to Michael Skidelsky, who is the Director of Operations at Eggs and Things Hawaii. And Eggs and Things Hawaii was started in 1974 uh, by his original founders, Jerry and Jan Fukunaga. The main goal with Eggs and Things, and even starting more than 40 years ago, is to bring fresh ingredients with reasonable prices to everyone who would come to the restaurants. And we're going to hear a little bit more about their story, talk about the history of Eggs and Things, and how Michael and his team have kept true to the brand, but also have been moving forward in today's culture. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Aloha. Welcome to Hawaii's Best Podcast. Learn the stories behind Hawaii's best experiences, influencers, and businesses. Discover everything that makes Hawaii the Aloha State. And now your host, Brian Murphy. Aloha and welcome to episode four of Hawaii's Best Podcast. Today's going to be a great one. I can't wait for you to hear more from Michael about eggs and things and what they're up to currently and some of their rich history. Personally, I've been a fan of Eggs and Things for many years and learning more from Michael about behind the scenes of Eggs and Things was really cool for me. And I hope that you find value in it as well. So stay tuned for my takeaways uh, from this episode with Michael and I'd love to hear your takeaways as well. So you're going to want to stay tuned for this week's social media challenge. So stay tuned and let's talk story with Michael. Thank you for your time and joining us today on Hawaii's Best. How are you doing? And maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing great. Uh, my name is Michael Skidelsky. I'm the Director of Operations for Eggs and Things Hawaii. Awesome. And how long have you been a part of the company? Um, it'd be about 10 years now. Wait, when you started 10 years ago, what role did you come on for? Well, I kind of came on 10 years ago right when the ownerships were changing hands. And so we had one location on Kalakaua that was closing. And for about six months, we had no locations. And we reopened the one here on Saratoga. And I was the manager of that one location. And then from there, the, over the last 10 years, we've kind of just kept expanding. In that process of doing the four here, the one in Guam, we also have a bunch of licensees and franchises in Japan and a couple other places in Asia now. So... Um, I guess my capacity from just being the restaurant manager kind of grew a little bit uh, as the 10 years went on. Are those franchises, are, are they uh, recent and those licensees? Um, it's been about seven years. Okay. So it's not that recent. And they've, they they have far more than we do. I think Japan has 18, maybe more. Oh, wow. Year. Yeah. Things in Things Hawaii also includes our Guam location as well. So we have four locations here in Oahu and one in Guam. You know, even though we have a lot more locations now, in a lot of ways, I kind of still do the same role I did 10 years ago, where it's a little bit of everything. We don't have a marketing team. We don't have a, you know, a design branch. We don't have a true accountant or anything. So, you know, I mean, I do everything from looking over processing payroll to putting together ads and helping together a commercial to coordinating a photo shoot if somebody comes in and talking to staff. You know, motivating the managers, hiring, staffing, upper management side. And then, you know, having that balance between the ownership, customer, and the employees. I guess I'm kind of that buffer between them. I would say the, the main thing I try to do is my role, I feel, is like kind of setting a tone or, or vision and mm-hmm. uh, 
culture. If I, I feel like if I'm setting the right culture, then we'll be successful. And if we're not, then I think I would probably take a lot of blame if the culture is not well and doesn't have the main mission statement of the company, which is always, you know, it's just three things, except we use the, we play off the word egg. So it's exceptional food. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that made me sure we have those mission statements. You got to, yeah. Yeah. So food, it's got to be fresh. It's got to be quality. Um, we try to use local whatever we can. And then we exhibit aloha. The last one was extraordinary people. Mm. You know, having that, that is probably the most challenging leg of those three is, you know, finding good people now and keeping them and retaining them mm. in Hawaii. It's, that's probably the most challenging part of those three things. So that's kind of my main goal, creating the culture and keeping those three mission statements uh, in play throughout the company. About 10 years ago, ownership's changed, but maybe take us back a little further back in 74 yeah. um, when it started, maybe the vision behind that and the owners. So the original owners, Jan and Jerry Fukunaga, um, Jerry was a local Japanese-American here in Hawaii. His wife, Jan, was from California. They were married. Um, Jerry used to work at the original Pancake House down in Dillingham. Um, and Jan was also a waitress. And I think they always wanted to open up their own thing. They had a lot of support from the owners of the original Pancake House. And they wanted to do something similar, but with a local flair. And Jerry was an avid fisherman. And so his kind of idea was always to like bring things that he caught and serve it for breakfast, lunch. And they also used to do a lot of dinner. Their concept and hours were a little different, but they kind of wanted to take something like the original Pancake House, but give it a local Hawaii flair to it. And that was the kind of the original vision they had when they opened their first location on Eno Road. And that was, yeah, 1974. And I believe there's only like two tables in that little location. How was it received? I think it was received well because it was cheap, right? So Jerry would fish um, on the weekend and then they would serve the fish. We still have one of his original dishes, the ahi and eggs, Cajun style or saute. And I believe the breakfast was very cheap. It was like $1.99. And they had a 99 cent breakfast, which was uh, four pancakes, eggs. So um, I think the locals took to it very well. And then kind of what like took them to the next level was had this one uh, employee, her name was Yoshi, and she was a first-generation Japanese-American. And so she could speak English and Japanese, and I think she would like, you know, Japanese were walking by and she'd give them a sample of uh, pancake, or they'd call it like hot tokeki, and then they would be like, oh, what is this? And so it kind of grew that Japanese following there where they actually started to think that pancakes were a Hawaii thing. Oh, okay. And um, so that kind of, I think Yoshi was kind of behind that, taking it from not just the local market, but internationally as well. Now, as the years have gone by, what, what would you say the experience you, you guys are creating that eggs and things, where do you hope in your customers walk away with? I think the same, the original vision was um, the, the model from 1974 from Jen and Jerry that we still have today is mm. serving quality food and a spirit of aloha. And so I think it's just kind of three things in that is the, the food, making sure it's quality, fresh, we try to use local as much as possible and, uh, you know, serving it with Aloha. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that service aspect, having the right employees who do have that Aloha spirit mm -hmm. and bringing it to them. I think that's the experience is that you come, you can eat breakfast anywhere in the world, um, but you come here and you can have a Hawaiian style breakfast, but uh, it's not like fully Hawaiian, but it has a flair to it. And it's served with that Aloha spirit. I think that's the experience you want everybody to come in to have. It almost, and that's kind of the vision of the current owners is to not change it so much where it has that uh, kind of walking into somebody's home feel. Mm -hmm. 
I'll change that too much to get too corporate or too sterile. Right. Now, if someone's coming to Eggs and Things for the very first time, what are some of your guys' most popular dishes that you would recommend? Of course, you know, a lot of the uh, Japanese or Asian tourists that want to go for the pancakes. I would say if you're more familiar with pancakes and you, you can get that anywhere, I wouldn't get the pancakes and bacon. I'd go for things that you can get at home. Like we do a, a smoked pork chop with um, a pineapple honey glaze. Oh, on wow. it. Uh, we call that our plantation pork chop. I think that's really good. Yeah. And, you know, can't get our locomoco. We also do it a Hawaiian style, which is a basic locomoco, which is the rice, hamburger variety, two eggs and the gravy. Right. Uh, we add in sauteed mushroom onions and Portuguese sausage on top of that. We call that our Hawaiian style locomoco. I would say get that fried rice. And then, you know, there's also like a lot of dishes at night. Um, well, that's kind of my one recommendation. Yeah, talk say. about that a little bit. The one thing people don't know is the original hours of eggs and things when Jan and Jerry started was they open at 11 p.m. at night and they would close at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, wow. Okay. Till we came, we took it over and they were kind of in an area and a time frame where things were different. They're near all these nightclubs. Yeah. In the 70s, 80s, people would kind of party all night. And so eggs and things was most busy between that 11 p.m. to 10 a.m. hours. Interesting. Okay. Kind of when we came on, uh, that wasn't those clubs were shutting down. And yeah, people don't do that as much anymore. I would say so. They always serve like you know sandwiches and salads and things like that, along with the breakfast. But the constant thing was that breakfast was served all throughout any time of day. Mm-hmm. We still do that. Um, in the PM. We add on things like burgers. Uh, we do um, a lot of like chicken wings, stuff that people okay. really think does. And uh, two of our locations here actually have like a liquor license where we serve beer, alcohol, cocktails along with that. So I was just having a conversation yesterday at this meeting with Hawaii News Now and you know, all the people who work there were kind of talking to us and they were like, you know, like the best thing about Exit Things, they're telling one of the people who went there was saying this to everybody. It's like, if you go at night, because then, you know, there's no wait, there's no line, it has a chill feel. And, you know, there's like all these specials, like on Thursdays, we give 20% off to Kamaina. And also like kids eat free on Sunday and Tuesday nights, all that stuff. And there, and you can, you know, the kids can order chocolate chip pancakes if they want. And adults can order like an oxtail soup or things like that. And yeah. So I think that's the one secret about eggs and things people don't know. They always just think, oh, morning breakfast. Right. Kind of dictates that. But even me personally, if I go to eat here, I usually always go at night because... Yeah, it's not as crowded. And then you also have a lot more menu item options. So everybody in your party has something to want. So just for clarity, you, if you go in the evening, you still have all of the breakfast menu available plus some addition. Yes. Okay. Going on uh, the west side of Oahu, um, where did, in Colina, where, where did that vision come from? Did you guys always kind of have your eye uh, on the west side? Yeah, um, a lot of it kind of comes from people asking us like, you know, we always come all the way from... Nanakuli or something like that. And we need one on that side. I think when Aulani was being built, they wanted to that hotel with the Disney hotel. Um, and it wasn't, we didn't feel that was a good fit at the time. We kind of always liked that area, but with the development and how many more hotels are coming out there and that second city thing looks like it's probably going to end up happening, especially with the rail. We did always want something out that side. Um, we tend to always have a good mix of local and tourists and visitors and we kind of always want to keep that with any location we have. We don't want it to just be one that's only for, you know, we don't want to just cater to tourists and lose that feel that right. people don't invited. And we felt like that location had that offering of 
local people can easy park here, get a thing, and people from the hotel can walk right over. So it's a, that location seemed like a good marriage. Yeah, and how's that going for you guys? Um, it's going really well. Um, that location and where that side of the island is a lot more seasonal than Waikiki. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we kind of are learning what those seasons are. We actually opened during the ending of the summer this year. And we're like, oh, this is crazy. Like any time of day, it's like there's people. And then once summer ended, it was like, okay, morning is busy. And then uh, afternoon PM is kind of quiet. And then, you know, uh, holiday season, it kind of was busy again. So we're kind of figuring that out. And you may have to have a little bit of flux on staffing and hours, I think, because of that. But um, very different from us being outside of Honolulu. That was the yeah. first time we But very good. It has like such a different feel. It has that resort feel. Yeah. Like being out there, you know, you can get a mimosa, you can get a mai tai or something, and uh, and even the clientele is different. You know, they're a little more affluent and they spend differently and mm-hmm. they order too. So that's one of the locations that you have a liquor license for. Yes, that okay. one and a water location. Yes. Okay. Do you guys keep the same hours at the Koalina location, or are you adjusting that? We adjusted it once, so we kind of did a uh, six a.m. to two. PM to 10, but now we just go 6 a.m. straight to 8 p.m. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, after 8 o'clock, I think everybody was just down and they have activities, I think, out there. So we realized after 8 o'clock, most of the families are in the hotel. And that center over there, that's kind of the typical um, hours over there too, right? Yeah, I think some people close at 9. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the typical hours there. I think Monkey Pod stays open pretty late on the weekend. Yeah. Is the menu... The same, or is it is it different than your other locations? Um, we did change it a little. There's a couple of things that people request there that we weren't getting other places, and so we kind of altered the menu a little. And then, interestingly enough, that when we changed it there, we added those items here in Honolulu as well. For example, one is the people that would always want to add like a lot of fresh fruits on their pancakes, or their waffle, or their French toast, you know, and we kind of had it before. It was like, okay, fresh strawberries is this price, and then fresh kiwis, and and then it would end up being like a thirty dollar pancake. And like, this is kind of fair to them. And so we kind of came up with one called our all fresh fruit rainbow pancakes, and we kind of put all the fresh fruits we have on there and sell it for a more reasonable price. And you're not getting so much fruit; it's just a perfect balance. Right. And that kind of did so well there. We put it on the Honolulu's and doing well everywhere. And that's kind of based off the customer demand there. And mm. The other thing too, we do have some restrictions because of other businesses that are there. And when you come in, there's exclusives. So we have really good acai bowls that we do everywhere, but we can't do acai there because uh, one of the tenants there have an exclusive. So we do uh, pataya instead. Oh, interesting. Sorbets. And that kind of worked out really well because a lot of the customers there are like, oh, pataya bowl, what is that? And it looks really pretty if you've ever seen that dragon fruit yeah. pink. And um, we've also put that on a waffle due to people wanting to do that there, and it it like took off. And so yeah, that menu has a little more, um, I'd say, freshness to it, and the the customers are willing to spend for it. The menu is a little different out there, but the core of the menu is the same in all the locations. Okay, talking about maybe expanding to other islands, is that something that is in your conversation that you're able to speak into? Yeah, we we did look into that, and you know, interesting is when. I was brought on when the current ownership took over. That was 2008, kind of right when we had kind of this economical crisis here. Right. So that kind of made them a little more cautious because that first year or two is a little bit, it was a challenge. And so during that time, we noticed like Maui, Kauai, uh, those people seem to hurt even harder than the people in Oahu. Mm. So 
think there's always that fear of if you went to Outer Island, would it, would you survive if we went through another time like that? Sure. You know, it's been over 10, 11 years now since we've had that. And things are cyclical, you know, so we feel like that could happen again. But we did always, we looked into Kona, Hilo, and uh, Maui a little. I think those may be something we would like to do. But, you know, again, it comes to challenges of us having to go there, finding people. And, you know, in Hawaii, that's always the biggest challenge is staffing. Like, we always talk to people who are there, operators there, and I think on the outer island. It's as challenging as it is for us here in Oahu for labor, mm-hmm. finding people. I think it's even multiplied on the outer islands. And so that's always causes pause, but we get a lot of requests for it. And that's something I would be open to just for the challenge of being able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Michael, maybe tell us a little bit, if you can, a little inside look on what's the business culture like uh, working with other businesses locally? I think it's healthy. You know, like for myself, um, I am in the Hawaii Restaurant Association. Mm-hmm. I was on the executive board as well for that uh, last year. And you, you kind of get to know all the operators. And you guys all know that you have the same vision, same goals. And so everybody's pretty helpful. And everybody wants to create, you know, fiduciary relationships with everybody. Uh, and we all look out for each other. You know, it's like probably there's 30 of us on an email say, you know, just that, mm-hmm. you know, this new law came out. You have to watch out for this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, so I think everybody kind of looks out for each other. And then, you know, the vendors in between play a big role in that too. Like, you know, one of our major vendors is Waihata and their clients are such and such. And they kind of like, you know, as long as you're not in direct competition, they kind of, say, hey, you know, such and such is doing this, or they had questions about that. How is, you know, this, for example, we're using this Beyond Meat, like a vegan mm-hmm. patty that we're using, and they're like, one of our other clients wants to know how it's doing and how you like it, and so we get to talk, and so the relationship is always good. You know, we haven't had any problems with that. Um, I think the main thing that we noticed is that, especially if it's a local operated business, you know, we're always trying out to help each other, and I think there's enough of the market enough people coming in that we realize that there's enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. How do you see the Aloha spirit within the business world? Is that something that affects how you guys do business? Yes, I, I definitely think so. And you know, that's even possibly strategic for building out locations. You right. know, like if there was somebody that we knew that was a local mom and pop's breakfast place, we probably don't want to open <laughs> next door to them. Yeah. And so that's kind of always been something we've looked at when we found locations. And most good landlords are also um, conscientious about that. So yeah, that's always plays a part in our business decisions as well. I love that. Make sure you take care of each other. And uh, we probably pair up with a lot of them doing charity work too, You know, mm-hmm. working with charities and uh, events. So yeah, you do have a lot of crossover. So you do have to have that little spirit and know how to work with all of them because you will cross path. Right, right. Hey, I'm curious, Michael, just from your perspective, if someone's coming to the islands, uh, maybe for a visit, for the first time, what are some things that you would want them to know before their visit to get the most out of their experience? Yeah, I think, you know, there's probably the, <laughs> I'm just thinking about when I travel too, you always, and that kind of played a big part in a lot of the decisions we made here is when I travel, it's like, I always want to try things that are, you can't get at home, making sure you try the local coffee. Or even if I go to an outer island, if I go to Kauai, I want to have Kauai coffee. I want to have Kauai chocolate. Right. Yeah. There, so I'll try to map those things out first. Like, for example, for us, we use 100% local eggs, um, we use 100% local pasture raised beef here, and we use the local fresh caught fish. 
And that's something, um, you know, Jerry, the original owner, instilled. But at the same time, by traveling around to doing your own traveling, you realize like, you know, I wouldn't want to come here and drink, you know, Brazilian coffee or, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of don't want to eat like a steak that you could have had in Omaha. <laughs> right. So, you know, it might be different and it, it takes a, it's a lot more work for us, to be honest. Like just to secure that deal with the eggs, it took years because they had to grow out the chickens and then you have to sign commitments like... If we if they do that, you know they they ask us like if you're going to do this, you have to sign like a three year commitment. You know? Wow, yeah. You have to build out those eggs, and you know it's not cheaper. I mean, getting boxed eggs or eggs from the mainland is a lot cheaper, but there's a commitment we're willing to do. Even with the local beef, it presents challenges, but we're kind of committed to that vision. We think the people who are interested in it will appreciate it. I would say try to find things that are local, things you can't get back home. And then, you know, even making friends or talking with people who are here, even whether that be your server or the busboy yeah. or something. You know, they all like love telling people like, well, you got to go here. This new place opened or this beach that, you know, because if not, you'll just go to the things that are top 10 on TripAdvisor, you know, get a real good snapshot of the real Hawaii. I think if you do that, I think talking to people and finding out, hey, where do you guys go to eat, you know, on the weekend? And our servers, actually a couple of our servers here, they even created their own little like website and they'll share it with their customers. Like, here's my like top 10 places. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, there's enough free website places that they do it and they feel like it's a touch for their customers. A lot of people do come in our foodies or they're really into adventure, you know, like hikes and things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one of our servers really loves hiking. So he has like, you know, a little blog thing about different hikes and he shares it with the customers or into that. So that's smart. easy with local culture to strike up a conversation and find out, hey, you know, you know, leave, leave some space and time for that. Most local people love sharing about things they love about Hawaii. I think that's just kind of going back a little bit just to locally sourced and just the integrity and the vision behind that. I just think that is that is amazing. And I think that's important for people to know and to appreciate. Thank you. Yeah. Kunoa beef is the beef that we use and um, they have a very sustainable vision. Um, it's actually slaughtered here on island, grown mostly on Kauai, um, but you know they also sort some other farmers have the same vision. And getting to know them a lot and their vision it made us a lot more passionate. We try to share that with the servers so they know how to sell that to the customers because local beef does taste different. Because our beef here that we're using is they're eating just grass that's grown on the island, fit from rain. It tastes very different from you know grain-fed, corn-fed beef from you know, Colorado or something. Uh, you know, so you, there is some education process of it's mm-hmm. not going to take some buttery. It's going to have a little bit more of a true gamey taste. And so we kind of offset that, but we offer like rubs. We do like a Kona coffee rub. If you want to do it that way, nice. your onion rub, salt and pepper. But you know, some people do appreciate it. I think if you're the type that like venison or um, things like that, I think you'll appreciate the taste. Yeah. Of, and it's a lot more healthy. It's a little leaner. Yeah, it's cool to meet vendors and people who source us that are passionate about that too, and they are local businesses. Hey, what, what do you like best about Hawaii or your role? I know that's a huge question, but if you had to like narrow it down, what are some things that come to your mind? I think now because I just had two kids, you know, and they're young. Like one is fifteen months and one is two months. You kind of think, you know, you see things totally different. I mean, you always love Hawaii because of the beaches, the hike, and the food, and those things. But then now you kind of like it. You think about where you want to raise your kids, right? Mm. So now I think the thing I like about Hawaii is there is that there is that aloha spirit, and there is this culture that everybody who's kind of here that has it's very communal. 
not everywhere, but you know, there there is still that sense more than you know, I lived on the mainland. I've lived in Japan, uh, Canada, and a few other places, and there is that there is something about you know being welcoming to anybody into their mm-hmm. home. And if you go into somebody else's home, you always offer to do dishes. And there's just these little things that you don't really, uh, you couldn't just teach somebody. You kind of got, got to grow up around it. And you kind of want your kids to have that. And that's something I love. It, it, it's it's kind of intricate and maybe subtle to most people. But once I started having kids and I started thinking about that, I was like, hmm, I, it would be easier, right, to live on the mainland. It's a lot more economical housing and affordability. But uh, you, you might lose that. So I think that's the thing I most is that cultural aspect that everybody kind of has here growing up of looking after each other, being considerate, and you want your kids to have that as well. So right. I guess that's my answer, what I love most about Hawaii. Yeah. Michael, how can people find more about Eggs and Things and get in touch with you guys? Yeah, we have our website, eggsandthings.com. That's E-G-G-S, letter N-T-H-I-N-G-S.com. And then we're on Instagram, it's Eggs and Things, H-I, Eggs and Things Hawaii. And then Facebook, we're just eggs and things. And each location has their own different page. So depending where you're staying or which one you're near, um, you can check that out on Facebook. But I would say the website's the best place to get the menu, uh, latest news and whatnot. Yeah, and there's always a traditional way of just calling us. Those numbers are on the website too. Great. And also on the website, there's a there's an online store where you have some goodies available. Syrup, coffee, pancake mix, yeah? Um, yeah, so we have our online shop, and you know, actually, that is probably maybe about twenty percent of our business. Is oh wow! A lot of the people will eat the pancakes or the syrup, and then go downstairs and buy that. You know, the mugs and a lot of other accessories. But the core of it is from I think even from the late seventies, they were selling the pancakes, and they added on syrup, and then we've kind of just built off of that. But we always want to make sure we have something for people to take home if they really are liked it here, and you know, even I. Use a pancake mix at home. It's easy. Just add more. <laughs> and it is a proprietary mix that we use here in the restaurant as well. It's a big part of our business that we um, probably don't advertise much, but people come, they realize, okay, well, you guys have a pretty big selection of retail items. Yeah. Now, the syrup, do you, you guys make it or? No, we have somebody make it for okay. us here. And we have a coconut, a guava. You know, if you're from the mainland, don't buy the maple because you can get that anywhere. But, you know, there's a lot of people who come from other countries where. They don't even have maple. They don't even know what that is. So we only added that on the last few years because people are like, we need that maple. So we're like, what? <laughs> and I guess they just you would use honey. We found out they just use honey when they go back home. But it tastes different. And so we started offering the maple as well. That's smart. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for your time again. And uh, really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you, Brian. Appreciate it. Well, I just want to thank Michael again for his time and coming on Hawaii's Best Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview with Michael, go to livehawaiisbest.com slash episode 004. And there you'll find today's show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode. Also, it'd be great for you to submit a review on iTunes. That helps others who love Hawaii and want to learn more about its culture and all about its amazing businesses and influencers here be able to find Hawaii's Best Podcast. So thanks for considering to do that. My key takeaways today from my conversation with Michael where what I love about Eggs and Things is its rich history and that it was birthed in Hawaii. I also love how they're striving to keep true to the brand of Eggs and Things, yet they're moving forward like in some of their franchisees and in Guam, for example. And their passion to keeping ingredients 
the highest level quality as possible and supporting local farmers and businesses as well. Those are a few things that I just took away with and I just made me fall in love more with eggs and things and what they're all about. Also, Michael dropped a little secret and my wife and I, we've experienced this and we can vouch for this as well. If you're going to go to eggs and things, yeah, you're going to want to experience their breakfast and, and, and do that. But also, I want to encourage you to try eggs and things for dinner because it is a very much different type of feel. There is not a huge rush. The menu is expanded. They're, they have an amazing dinner menu, but also their breakfast menu, it is served all day. So try it out. Let me know what you think. And you can do that on social. And speaking of that, this week's social media challenge is simply take a screenshot of this episode and upload it on your stories and just comment your key takeaway from today's episode. So we'll see you on Instagram. Be sure to follow us at hawaii's.best. And until next week, aloha. Thanks for listening to Hawaii's Best Podcast. Stay up to date on future episodes. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at hawaii's.best.